He is alive, and we celebrate the risen Savior today. Thank you for joining us for worship today. We're glad to see you who are here in the sanctuary and those who are joining us uh, via live stream. We welcome you and Facebook Live. Thank you for joining us. And we pray that on this Easter Sunday that you feel his presence in a very special way. And if you don't know him as Lord and Savior, it would be our greatest desire to be able to share with you how you can come into a relationship with him. But thank you for being here. Guests, we welcome you. There's a gift at the Welcome Center after the service today. Just go by and pick up the bag on the corner of the uh, uh, Welcome Center. We, we're glad you've joined us for worship today, and we pray that you feel God's presence as well as everybody else in the sanctuary today. Thank you for being here. Why don't you stand and just kind of nod or wave, whatever you want to do around the people around you, and we'll join in singing, Christ the Lord is risen today.
And for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son for all of us. You join as we continue lifting our voices in praise together.
Amen. Thank you. May be seated. Worthy is the Lamb of God. What a great day to be in God's house to worship and praise the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only one who is worthy to be praised. And it is so great to see you in God's house. At the uh, early service today at 8 o'clock, I had someone, I said, I have missed you all so much. They said, well, we haven't missed you. We've watched you every Sunday at home in our pajamas. They weren't in their pajamas today, but I was so glad they were here. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we welcome you here. If you are returning for the first time in over a year, welcome back home. It's great to see all of you here today. This is the third of three wonderful services, and we have just felt the presence of the Lord each and every one. I want to say a special thank you to all of our musicians who have been here for all three, for all of our volunteers, greeters, ushers, safety risk management team, all those in the sound booth running the screens, camera and computer, and, and again, all of our staff that's been here. It's been a great day, and I'm so grateful to be able to share Easter Sunday with you. And every week, there's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves before an almighty God and to pray. And if you haven't prayed during this past year, I don't know what you've been waiting for. If there was ever a time for us to pray, it's now. If there was ever a time for us to turn to God, it would be now. And I hope and pray that today you would feel a fresh move of God's spirit in your heart and in your life. Know that God is still on his throne. He is still in control. And God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And today, he wants to bring salvation. He wants to bring hope. He wants to bring peace. He wants to bring love and comfort. And I pray right now that wherever you are, you can stand or you can kneel at your seat that you would go to the Lord in prayer with me. May we pray. God, words can't adequately express our humble gratitude for everything you have done. You are such a faithful God. And many times, God, we've been unfaithful to you. You deserve better. You deserve our best because you gave us your best when you sent Jesus to die on the cross. And at least for right now, you're not asking for us to die for you. You're just asking us to live for you. And Father, I pray that you would bless every person here in this place and those watching on Facebook Live or YouTube, God, that wherever they are, they might feel your Holy Spirit and know that they're not alone, that you are with them and you're with us. God, I know there's some folks hurting today. I know this is the first Easter for a lot of us without a loved one. And I pray, God, that they would feel your comfort 
And God, I was just thinking as we were singing, worthy is the Lamb, that my dad and so many other of our fine members that have gone on to be with you during this season were singing this at the throne of God in person. Worthy is the Lamb. Father, I pray that you would give supernatural strength and comfort to those who are hurting. Father, even this week, we've had several of our members, the loose loved ones, Lenoma Daly and the loss of her husband, Jim, and Tom and Linda Coots and the loss of Tom's mother and Mallory and Mark Toothaker and the loss of Mallory's dad. Father, I pray that you would give them supernatural strength and comfort as they grieve. May they feel your love. Father, I pray for others that are hurting today. Some are here and they're wondering if their marriage is going to survive. Others are here not knowing how they're going to pay their next bill. Some are here and they've been entombed by an addiction. Father, there are some here and they've been paralyzed by fear. But God, we know again you're able. And Lord, we have been praying for great revival and spiritual awakening and renewal. And if there was ever a time to come back to you, it would be today, now. Father, turn our country back to you. Give our leaders godly wisdom and your decision-making power. Father, bless families maybe that are traveling on spring break this week. Keep them safe. And Father, we just pray for this church, and I'm so grateful, Father, for a faithful church during a very difficult time. They've been faithful to pray and faithful to support and faithful to give and faithful to watch the services and then to come back. Thank you, oh God, for your church and for this church family. Lord, I pray if there's anyone watching or anyone here today that's never accepted Christ into their heart, may Easter Sunday 2021 be the day of salvation for many. May this day be a day of renewal and a freshness of your spirit would flood our hearts and souls. Bring healing to those who are sick, recovering from surgeries this past week. Ease the pain and bring healing with your stripes. May they be healed in every way. Lord, I pray now that your Holy Spirit we continue to sing and play through our musicians. Speak through the power of your word and your servant that all of us might be radically transformed to be more like Jesus. May that be our heart's desire to become more like Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor, not only for the past victories, but for the victories that you still have ahead 
And we believe that the best is yet to come. For we love you and we praise you in the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. This morning, if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28? And as you're doing that, again, I'm grateful for part of our choir being here today and our instrumentalists being here to lead us. Thank you all for being here to lead so beautifully. And um, I'm always worried about having a voice after the third message because not only am I preaching three times, I'm singing my guts out because we have something to sing about today. And we sing hallelujah to him who is worthy. Begin with verse 1 of this Easter story, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Amen. Thank you all for leading so powerfully and so beautifully. And thank you again for being here this morning, allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place. I always like to share a little humor at the beginning of the message. <clears throat> Excuse me. There were three friends who were at a mutual friend's funeral. And as these three men were at the funeral, they witnessed and heard a beautiful eulogy. After the funeral, they were at a reception, and one of the men said, you know, that was beautiful. Wow. I hope people will say good things about me when I pass from this world. And he said, what, what would you like to be said about you by people at your funeral? Well, the first man said, well, I've given much of my life to the medical profession. He said, I've tried to help as many people as I can help and tried to save a lot of lives. I guess I would like for someone to say at my funeral that I was a good doctor and that I saved, helped save many lives. The second man said, well, you know, I've given a lot of time to my family and I've tried to raise my children well. And I guess I would like for someone at my funeral to say that I was a good father and a good husband. The third man said, I would like to hear someone at the funeral say, look, he's moving. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Is that the best you can do after not being here for over a year? <clears throat> Have you ever felt stuck? I guess we've all maybe felt that way over the course of this past year, haven't we? We've been stuck at home working. We've been stuck at home doing school. We've been stuck at home eating, which that's, that's not all bad. I had to remind my wife. We've been stuck at home entertaining, stuck at home worshiping. We've all been stuck. Or maybe even before the pandemic hit, you felt that you were in a rut. You felt stuck in a rut. To be stuck in a rut is defined as seemingly being trapped or stuck in a mundane, non-changing pattern of life, work, and or personal behavior. It's possible that you're here and you've been stuck in a rut of depression. A lot of people have been depressed during this season. Maybe you've felt that you've been stuck in a rut of anxiety, or maybe you've been stuck in a rut of financial crisis, or you've been stuck in a rut of addiction. Maybe you've been stuck in a rut of a bad work situation or stuck in a rut of a bad relationship or you've been stuck in a rut of being lost and you have felt that you are in an impossible situation, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. Maybe you came today expecting nothing. Maybe you came today just to go through the motions 
of worship and to say, I was, I was at church on Easter. Maybe you didn't come expect anything, or maybe you came expecting God to bring you a miracle. Several years ago, one of our church members contacted me, asked me to meet him at McDonald's, and when I went, he shared with me the heartbreaking news that he had been diagnosed with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. And over the next few years, I would watch him decline to the point where his body was shutting down. And, but he was able, through modern technology and with the blinking of his eyes, to be able to send me messages, emails. And every message that he sent me, he would end with the words, waiting on a miracle, waiting on a miracle. I'd say that some of you all here today, you've been waiting on your miracle. In our scripture passage today, we see two Marys. We have Mary Magdalene and Mary, who's either the mother of James and John or the wife of Clopas. We don't know a lot about her but they're going to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with spices because Jews did not believe in embalming. They went to the tomb as an act of devotion and love. And I'd say that's why most of you all have come today, as an act of devotion and love to worship Jesus Christ. I hope that's why you're here, to worship him. And... For the last several months, I've been praying for a great move of God's Spirit. I've been praying, and if you receive our monthly newsletter, you read me say this past week when you received or should have received your newsletter, if you read it, that I've been praying for this day in particular that my heart would be right and that yours would be as well. What do I mean by that? Well, I think so many times our hearts can be filled with a lot of junk. Our hearts can be filled with unforgiveness or negative attitude or critical spirit or, or with guilt or pride. or It can be filled with so much junk. I've been praying for quite some time that my heart would be right for Easter and that yours would be and that you would be receptive, that your heart would be open, that there would be a great move of God's Spirit, and that our lives would be transformed as a result of His power. And so maybe you didn't come expecting a miracle, even though you've been waiting on one, but maybe God's going to give you one. In spite of our shortcomings and in spite of our doubt, God is going to bring a miracle in your life. And in this familiar Easter story out of Matthew's gospel today, I see at least three great moves of God's Spirit. First, there's the move of Mary Magdalene's heart. There's the move of Mary Magdalene's heart. In verse 1, it said, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. We already know why they went. They went to anoint the body of Jesus with spices. So even though he had said that the Son of Man must suffer under the hands of the 
chief priests, teachers of the law, and that he would be crucified and on the third day would be raised, they still went expecting to find a dead body there. And they were going to anoint the body with spices. But notice when it says Mary Magdalene, who was Mary Magdalene? She seems to be in a lot of our passion narratives and scriptures. If you look in Luke chapter 8, verse 2, it said that there were women who were following Jesus in the 12 who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. And Mary Magdalene was one of them whom seven demons had been cast out or seven devils had been cast out of her. We don't know what those seven demons were or seven devils. Some Bible scholars like to think she was a prostitute. Why? She came from the city of Magdala, which was a city on the Sea of Galilee that had a reputation of having a lot of prostitutes. And because in Luke chapter 7 was the story of Jesus being anointed by a sinful woman with expensive perfume, some would then just put two and two together and say this woman too was a sinful woman who was a prostitute. But then some others, scholars believe, that she was a well-to-do woman. She was wealthy. And if you would read in Matthew chapter 27, verses 55 and 56, it listed these women who would meet the needs of Jesus and his disciples as they traveled. They gave financial support, and they were supporting the ministry. And so whether she was a prostitute, whether she was a well-to-do lady, she had received the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she had had a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. And when I think about her listening to Jesus in the crowd, battling whatever demons, whatever devils she had, whether, again, it was depression or panic attacks or anxiety or fear or, or some other personal private sin, whatever it was, when she heard Jesus say in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me or whoever wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. She took that to heart. You know how we know she took it to heart? Because you read in John 19, 25, when it listed some of the women who were nearby, it said, Near the cross of Jesus stood Mary Magdalene. When all of Jesus' disciples had deserted him and fled, Mary Magdalene was there. She was there through the bogus trials. She was there through the, the beating and flogging and scourging and watching him be spat upon. She was there at the burial, and she is there once again at the resurrection, Mary Magdalene had been moved in her heart. She had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Author, Pastor Max Licato said in his book, no wonder they call him Savior, he said, you can't come to the cross with just your head and not your heart. He went on to say, God May we never become so educated 
May we never become so mature, may we never become so religious that we do not hear the passion and see the passion of Christ without tears. That we must be moved by what Jesus Christ has done. And I know that Mary Magdalene was moved. And if you look in John's Gospel, John chapter 20, uh, verse 11, it said, And Mary Magdalene stood at the tomb weeping. And Jesus, in verse 15, said, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Because she thought someone had stolen the body of Christ out of the tomb. But we know she was deeply moved because she had a personal relationship with Christ. If you've been trying to figure this Jesus thing out with just your mind, you're, you're never going to figure it all out. But if you are trying to open up your heart and allow him to come in, then he'll take care of the rest. We are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not upon our own understanding in all our ways, acknowledge him. He'll make our path straight. So how can you have a personal relationship with Christ? Don't forget what God has done for you and for me. You know why Mary Magdalene followed Jesus from the time he saved her? It's because she could not thank him enough for what he had done for her. Can we thank God enough for what he's done for us by giving us Jesus Christ when he died on the cross? I don't think we could ever thank him enough for what he has done for you and me. The praise team sang so beautifully, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Paul wrote in, in Romans 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so today, if you want a personal relationship with Christ, you can't forget what God did when he gave us his son, Jesus. But then secondly, we must acknowledge the wrong that we've done against him. We must acknowledge the wrong we've done against him. Read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 10. If we claim to be without sin, then we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So if we're saying, I don't need forgiveness because I haven't done anything wrong, that's what's wrong with the world today. Nobody thinks anything's wrong anymore. If it feels good, do it. But the fact of the matter is, we are supposed to repent from our old ways, and walk in newness of life. That's what Paul wrote about in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And so we experience newness of life, and the Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all in need of his forgiveness, and we're all in need of his salvation. I've been praying that there would be a great move of God's Spirit, and I pray that it will be in your heart even now, that God would bring conviction and move in your heart in such a way that you'll want to know him personally. Mary Magdalene knew him personally. 
And that's why she was willing to follow him no matter the cost. May we be willing to do the same. But not only do we see a, a move in Mary Magdalene's heart, we see a move of the massing, massive stone, a move of the massive stone. In verse 2, it says, There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, when you first read that, you might think, well, that violent earthquake caused the stone to be removed. It wasn't the stone that was moved by an earthquake. That stone was moved by the power of God. And the move of that stone is the power of the resurrection. The empty tomb is the bedrock of our faith. That is the core. If Jesus would have just died on the cross, end of the story. But he rose from the grave to show us death had been defeated. Hell had been conquered. And we have hope beyond the grave in Jesus Christ. Remember when Martha was upset at Jesus in John chapter 11 when, when Jesus' good friend and brother of Mary and Martha Lazarus died? Do you remember that story? And she scolded Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus said in John 11, 25 and 26, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And I want to ask you, church, do you believe this? That God has that kind of resurrection power. That's why Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ, and yes, the power of his resurrection. It's that resurrection power that can move stones away. And I guarantee you, there are some of you here today and some of you watching that have some stones that need to be removed from your life. And I'm not talking about kidney stones or gallstones. I mean, you might have those too, but that's not what I'm talking about. Some of you all have some stones that you need to be, have removed today. Maybe it's a stone of unforgiveness. That's one of the biggest weapons that the devil uses. Some of you are not celebrating Easter with your family, and it's not because of, of a pandemic. It's because you've got ill will or unforgiveness toward a family member. Why don't you remove that stone through God's power today and forgive them anyway? Some of you are here, and there's a stone of anger you have towards someone that wronged you unfairly, unjustly. Some of you are here and you have a, a stone of addiction. You've been trying to self-medicate during this pandemic. It doesn't work. You're going to keep spiraling further down. I've got eight people on my prayer list that battle addiction that I pray for every day. And I pray not only that God would deliver them, but he would draw them to himself and they would receive victory. And maybe you're here today and you have a a stone in your life of a, a private sin. No one else knows about it, but God knows. And until you bring it forth to God, it's going to weigh you down and it's going to quench the Holy Spirit in your life. And some of you are here today and, and you have a, a stone of, of worry and fear about the future. 
We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we know that God promises to be with us no matter what. So don't you think if God has the power to roll back that big stone, he has the power to remove the stones in your life? I believe Paul, when he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He brings us victory today. And all we have to do is put our faith and trust in him and know there is no massive stone so great that God cannot move. But I want to tell you this. I don't want you to go out of here and saying, he said this was going to happen and, and I still have this. Even some of God's most faithful people like Paul who said, for I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Remember, he had a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment him. God did not remove it on this side. But what did he say in 2 Corinthians 12, 9? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So what God doesn't remove for us, let's use it to bring glory to him. Then when I am weak, he said that I am strong, that he can boast all the more about God's goodness and his power and his love. Many years ago, I read a funny story, and maybe you've heard me share it. I think I shared it one time. There was a game warden that questioned an old man, Sam, who was a fisherman. And he questioned him because when most fishermen were coming in from the lake, they were only catching three or four fish. But when Sam came in, his boat would be filled. His, his uh, boat was filled with uh, fish, Freshly caught trout, so many fish, it was unbelievable. All these other fishermen were envious. How in the world did he only have, all these other ones have three or four, and he had strainers full of several fish, stringers full of several fish. That was the word I was looking for, stringers. And so one day, Sam, old Sam, told the game warden, he said, I tell you what, why don't you meet me? at the dock in the morning, meet me at my boat, and I'll take you out and show you my secret. He said, sure, I'd love that. Next day, the game warden met old Sam at the dock at his boat, and they got on his boat, and they got out the middle of the lake, and, and the game warden leaned back in his seat. He goes, I, I look forward to seeing what your secret is. About that time, old Sam bends down, pulls out a stick of dynamite, and he lights it and throws it up in the air, and boom! And, and it shook the ground so much in that lake that all these dead fish began to rise to the top, and Sam took out his net, and he began to scoop them up, and that game warden was beside himself. He said, what are you doing, man? Are you crazy? What? Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock you up. I'm going to put you in jail, buddy. He goes, I'm going to give you every fine there is in the book. You can't do that. Old Sam calmly laid his net down, picked up another stick of dynamite, lit it, threw it in the game warden's lap, and said, are you going to sit there complaining or are you going to fish? <laughs> At that moment, that game warden had to make a dynamite decision <laughs> that was going to change the course of his life. He went from being a an observer to quickly being a participant. And some of you are here today and God wants you to make 
a dynamite, powerful decision. One that's going to change your life. Stop being an observer on the outside and start being a participant, being a follower of Christ. Mary Magdalene wasn't an outside observer. She had made that decision, a dynamite decision. What decision do you need to make today? I pray it will be a life-changing dynamite decision. But then lastly, we see the move of the message. This is proclaiming the risen Lord, the move of the message. In verses 5 and 6, the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you are looking for Jesus who is crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. And what I failed to tell you is when that stone was removed, it wasn't so Jesus could come out. It was so the ladies could look inside. Jesus had already risen. And know that today he is alive and we have a message to tell. If you would read on in verse 7, the angel said, Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen and he has gone ahead in Galilee. And we know if you look in John's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 18, that Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Do you know what some scholars say? Some scholars say that Mary Magdalene, from whom seven demons have been cast out, said that Mary Magdalene actually formed the first church through her testimony. That's what some say. That because of her testimony, think about it. Would we be here today if she hadn't told that Jesus was alive? Would the church be here today? Would that spirit-filled sermon that Peter Peter preached over in Acts, would, would it have been proclaimed? They had to know that Jesus had defeated death and defeated sin and that he was alive. And she told the story, moved the message. When's the last time you've told someone, I've seen Jesus? Because once we've seen him, we'll never be the same and we can't help but tell people what he's done for us. Isn't that what the Great Commission is about? When Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even till the end of age. Then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in all Judea and Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We have a responsibility once we know Christ to share him with others. We can sit around all day and, and read and study all the things he's done, but God wants us to put action and movement to our feet to proclaim his risen message to the world around us. Are you doing that today? I want to close by sharing a story 
with you uh, this past week was my children's spring break. I know for, I think for others, this week is for Franklin County and some other school systems. And, and I'm so grateful that my son Isaiah, hard to believe he's a senior, wanted to spend spring break with his nerdy mom and dad and his family and his grandparents down at Lake Cumberland at my in-laws have a boat there. And, and so we were able to get away for a few days going to Lake Cumberland. I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed being out on the lake with my son fishing. I didn't have any dynamite on me, but but I had some spinner baits that I was able to catch some smallmouth bass. But anyway, my son also brought a friend with him from school, a fellow member of his bass fishing team. And uh, I had met him. I didn't know, really know him. I knew he was a, a nice young man. I know my, my son likes him and spoke highly of him. And, and I know that, you know, he was respectful. And anyway, he stayed with us at the lake at my, my in-laws. And, and so throughout the week, we had fun fishing and, and talking. One night, we drove to Somerset to eat a meal with my wife's brother and family, my brother-in-law. And, and uh, on the way back, we had to take two vehicles. Uh, but on the way back, Isaiah and his friend, and I'm not sharing his name. Um, I didn't ask for his permission. He doesn't know I'm using this, but... Uh, we were riding back to Somerset, which to get back to Wolf Creek was maybe a 40-minute drive or 35, 40, 45 minutes. I felt led of the Lord. We had been out on the boat fishing. We had been eating around the table, joking and cutting up the whole week. And he's probably thinking, what have I got myself into? These people are so weird. And well, he's talking about Kelly and her family. But anyway, <laughs> but... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They were at the last service, but so they're not watching this time. But so we, on the way back, I felt a move of God's spirit to share with Isaiah's friend. So we were on the Cumberland Parkway heading back to the lake, and I just felt led of the Lord. I said, hey, man, I just got cut straight to the heart. I said, have you ever given your heart and life to Jesus Christ, are you a Christian? He said, no, I'm not. And I began to question a little bit more, and as nice a fellow as you ever want to meet. And I know for my son to be friends with him, he's got to be a pretty decent guy because I'm not just uh, tooting my son's horn, but he's a nice young man, a good Christian young man. And, and uh this young man would go on to tell me he had never been to church and he had never prayed before in his life. An 18-year-old high school senior. It broke my heart, but I quickly went into action and I began to share starting in the Garden of Eden where it all went wrong and Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit and that's when we were separated from God. And I went through the whole plan of salvation. We can't save ourselves. And Jesus died on the cross to make a bridge over death so we could come. I went through that whole spill. And again, I didn't stop talking until we were pulling into the parking lot at the 
Well, I didn't know it, but my son went in and told my wife, said, Dad, just preach to him the whole way from Somerset. <laughs> but I knew I had a captive audience, and he wasn't going to be able to go anywhere, and I didn't know if I would have another opportunity to share. So I left it alone. I, I said, man, I'm not going to pressure you, but I just want you to know how much God loves you, and if you would ever went to speak with someone about giving your life to Christ, it would be my privilege to pray with you so that you might know Christ. I said, you're already a great guy. Man, I want you to be in heaven one day. I want as many people as possible to be in heaven one day. So it happens that a day or two later, I had taken my golf clubs and I had been fishing with my son Isaiah, and I wanted to golf with my daughter Sophie. She plays golf, and so Isaiah's friend also is on the golf team, and he had taken his golf clubs, and so we made a tea time at General Burnside State Park, and so we went to play golf. And I thought this is another opportunity to build relationship and that I could share with him some, and, and so... I was sure not to share anything while we were playing golf. I wanted, didn't want there to be any distractions, and, and I was zoned in. I was focused, trying to keep my ball from going in the woods on both sides of that narrow fairway. So on the way back, we talked about how terrible my golf game was that day. And then, just as we had gotten on the Cumberland Parkway, his friend said, man, Todd, can I ask you something? I said, you sure can. He said, what does that sign mean? Well, there was a big sign with orange paint around the border in big orange letters, warning, Jesus is coming. Are you ready? And there was not only a cross at the top, but there was a clock, and it was 5 to 12, that it was drawing close to the midnight hour. And he opened the door and said, what does that mean? I said, man, what it means is not only did Jesus die on the cross to save us from our sin, but he rose from the dead. And I said, he ascended into heaven and he's coming back one day. And when it says warning, it's not to scare us, but it's to say we need to get our houses in order. We need to get our lives ready because I believe it's sooner than it's ever been before. And if we ever need to be ready, you'd be now that we need to be ready. And I was able to share with him. Again, he, he didn't accept Christ, but seeds were planted, and I'm praying now daily that he's going to come to know Christ personally. Students, if you're here, you have a friend that you need to share with, or maybe you've never given your heart and life to Christ. How are you going to share about someone you've never met or you don't know? Or maybe you're here today and, and you need to tell a coworker this week, I've seen the Lord and I'm just now feeling confident enough and bold enough in my faith, not worrying about what people are going to think. I want to share that what he's done for me, he can do for you and he can change your life. I care about you and love you that much. Or there's someone we have a responsibility to move the message of Christ to a world where people need the Lord. Are you ready?
to accept that challenge and take that message to the world? Mary Magdalene did. Jesus' disciples would. And now it's up to you and me. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? May we pray together. Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there would be any person here or anybody watching and they've never given their heart and life to Jesus, may this be the day of salvation that someone might pray, Dear God, I confess that I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I ask you to come into my heart. Thank you, God, for saving me. Lord, I pray that someone or many would pray that prayer. Lord, maybe there are Christians that have been paralyzed by fear, entombed, Father, by an addiction or fear, anxiety, or private sin. Roll back that stone today, God. Set the captive free. And may Christians renew their commitment and their fervor for you today. Or Lord, maybe there are folks looking for a place to call home, a place where they'll be loved and supported and encouraged and prayed for. And they want to help us proclaim the message of the risen Lord. Oh God, draw people today. Move people. I pray as we think about your ultimate sacrifice and that you paid our debt and that you rose from the grave to show we have victory. Give us that confidence and boldness to come. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and come as we sing a hymn of commitment and decision. If you're watching at home and you want to make a decision, contact us. We'll contact you and pray with you. These first pews are open. And I'd be happy to pray and talk with you. Won't you come? I hear the Savior say, Thy strength and need is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine own Jesus paid it.
And I want to thank you so much for worshiping with us both online and in person. What a glorious day it's been. And I hope it won't end here, that we'll keep the move of God's Spirit going throughout the week and throughout the days, months, and years to come. And please know that if I or we as a staff can ever help you in any way, talk with you, pray with you about your decision, please don't hesitate to contact us. I have no greater joy than talking to people about what it means to be a follower of Christ. That's why I talked my son's friend's ear off because I thought I've got one on the line and I got to try to get him reeled in because I may not have another chance. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men so we can continue to share the move of Christ. Thank you for worshiping with us. Don't forget to join us virtually Wednesday at 6. At some point, we're going to get back together at some of our other worship times. But thank you for your continued patience, prayers, love, and support. We continue to monitor everything, to do the best we can, to minister to you, and, and to be uh, the best we can be for you and for God, to give glory to him. Then I hope you'll join us next Sunday at 8, 30, and 11, back to our normal service times. And hopefully soon, again, we'll get back to more normal. But for now, thank you for your understanding. I hope you have an awesome afternoon, that you'll eat some good food somewhere, that you'll spend quality time with family. Don't take for granted the family time that you have. Uh, you'll miss them when they're gone, so enjoy every moment you can with your loved ones. Have a blessed Easter. Don't forget how much God loves you and we love you too. Bill, close us with the song. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone, because I know He holds the future, and life is worth a living just because He lives. God bless you and happy Easter.